This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. I have Mike Antonucci with me from San Bernardino County Emergency Management, and we're here to talk about a couple different things. Uh, one is a little bit about San Bernardino County, and then also his great conference that he does that puts on himself. So I got to meet Mike at the CISA conference, like the California Emergency Services Conference here in uh, California, and got talking to Mike and I said, you know what, I'd love to have you on the show, talk a little bit about what you do, about your background, uh, and, and bring it up. So Mike, welcome to Ian Weekly. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Mike, tell me just a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got involved with emergency management. Well, I've been involved in emergency management for many years. I've been in the fire service for 43 years, and as part of that, I've been assigned um, four years. I was with the state of California in the Office of Emergency Services. I did eight years at a fire department in Kern County that I was responsible for emergency management, also six years in Upland Fire Department, which I was responsible for emergency management, and now six years with the county of San Bernardino, in which my primary responsibility is emergency management. So in those 43 years, I've had a lot of experience with emergency management and developed a passion for it and was able to uh, focus in on that towards the latter part of my career here. So San Bernardino County in, in California is a really interesting county. So you got parts of the county that are desert and like Las Vegas, no water, desert, some places don't even have cactuses because there's that less water. And then you have the beautiful mountains with ski resorts and great tall pine trees and, and those issues that are associated there. What are some of the challenges for managing a county like San Bernardino? Well, resources obviously is one of them because most of the resources is where the population is. And the populations are in the cities and the valley mostly and in the mountains. Uh, we have a lot of, of traffic in the desert because of the, the drive to Vegas on the 15 and the 40 going to Havasu, which presents us a lot of problems, but the response times are longer. We cover that with aircraft a lot, so we have a lot of, uh, of fire department and sheriff's helicopters that were able to fly initially to the scene and evaluate it while a fire engine is responding. Uh, other challenges that we have is, is what we're going through, one of them right now with the uh, our electric company. Uh, has a new program, which is called Public Safety Power Shutoff. And basically what it is is when the red flag conditions and fire danger is high, that they have designated high fire zones that they're going to shut the circuits off. With that comes a lot of problems that were unanticipated by them, which we're trying to work through now for critical lifeline patients that are at home and have need for electricity to stay alive. We have uh, gas stations because, as I said, the county is uh, a lot of the county is rural and with our AQMD, which is the air pollution people, uh, for those of you who don't know California, they don't allow them to have generators or run generators so that they're not allowed to have backup power so that when the power's out to those people, we have a lot of stranded people that we have to be able to get off uh, the mountain or the deserts. We have uh, also uh, water issues, water problem issues, because if the power's off, a lot of the areas are not gravity fed, they're pumped, and without the pumping stations having electricity, we could have some problems. We're undertaking currently a survey. I put together 
a task force for 60 or 68 water purveyors in the county. We had a meeting last Thursday and gave them the maps of the uh, power outage areas uh, that are potential. And they're coming back and bringing me all their pumping stations that are there and which ones have generators, how much fuel they have, how long can they run, ones that have transfer switches that are available to have generators too, and which ones that don't have anything. Because we'll have to support those in different levels depending upon what they have available to them. So we have a lot of challenges. We have blizzards. We have snow. We have flooding. We have wildfires. And, of course, we have the evasive earthquake. (laughs) Right. That's And that's all in one county. And it's also the largest county in the United States. Correct. And, you know, once you start driving through there, like driving into uh, uh, into Arizona or into, Cal- or into uh, Nevada, it's like you're driving forever and forever and forever, and finally you're in a different state. Um, I grew up back east where you can get lost and you're in a different state. Yeah, <laughs> you me know? too. I come from New York. <laughs> oh, me too. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny that when you come out here, the vastness of, of the land. Um, so those are some, some serious challenges. Yes, they are. So we talked earlier a little bit about why you created this um, conference uh, that we're going to talk about here. And I think it's really important for people to understand. And so those of us in emergency management, um, we talk about having conferences all the time. We've maybe attended them, uh, thought about maybe having a local conference. And um, I think it's really kind of cool that Mike's coming up here today and talking about some of the challenges that he had with creating the conference, why he felt that he needed it. And I think we're going to, we should get into that right now. So Mike, why did you create your conference? Well, about 12 years ago, we got together with a bunch of people and said, there's something lacking here. And what was lacking, in our opinion, was the ability to download information from different disciplines after an an emergency. Years ago, when I first started, I started in 74. In 74, it was easy. You, You run five calls a day. You go take the patient to the hospital or you go after the fire. You meet with the people and you talk to the police on why... They park there instead of where they should have parked. You talk to the the ambulance people. They talk to you. Talk to the hospitals. You're able to solve things at a micro level. And in today's world with hospital bed delays and uh, running 20, 21, 25, we have stations run 25, 26 calls a day. You just don't have time for that. You're running from call to call to call, and they're major calls most of the time. They're getting bigger and bigger because of uh, the environment we live in now. So you don't have time for that. So you're not able to solve those small micro problems, and they turn into macro problems. So we said, you know, we have to get the continuing education for our nursing licenses and for our paramedic licenses and for our EMTs and the docs and everybody else has to have their continuing education. Uh, emergency management is just getting into that now with accreditation and continuing education. So we said, why not? Let's do a conference. We keep everybody there for three or four days. We have general sessions that are for everybody. We have individual tracks of disciplines so we can give them their CEs. And we do. We have BRN, paramedic, uh, EMT, EMS, conference, and EM track CEs, continuing education credits. We do our own. Why not do that and keep them all in one place and uh, they can network at night. We'll give them activities to do at night, you know, drink, listen to music, play cornhole, beanbag toss, whatever, and just give them. We come up with all kinds of activities. Just give them things to do. We have vendors so they can see the greatest equipment, the greatest innovations in, in what's coming out in software and, and uh, different types of, of uh, EMS and EM products. And we have about 80 to 100 vendors a year. So there's a a diversity through the vendor hall. 
Uh, it's great food, and everybody just likes the good time here. You can bring your family, and a lot of people go to conferences, and their families don't go because of where it is. Right. This is in a resort area in Indian Wells, which is Palm Springs for those of you who don't don't know the area. And their families can go in the pool and have a great time while they're in class. And then when they finish their class, they go out and join their families and have a good evening together. It's just a great family atmosphere. It's a great educational experience. And we have found for 12 years that it has worked very well for us. Our attendance has not gone down. It's gone up. So obviously something's working and people want to come for some reasons, you know. And Palm Springs, Indian Wells area in May is beautiful weather. It's not, beautiful. <laughs> you can't get any better than that. No. So I have to go on the record, though, and say that Cornhole has to be the worst name for a game. I agree. <laughs> I'll give you a little history on that, though. The reason why they call it Cornhole is because those bags are filled with dried corn. And that's why it's called Cornhole because okay. I hate that name and I went through the whole thing. I, I got to figure out why they're calling this thing Cornhole. So. Oh, man. I know. It's so popular too. It's, it's, yeah. it's just kind of credit. I was like, when I heard that was the name, I'm like, why is it called Beanbag Toss? Yeah. But okay, that makes sense. All right. So that's amazing though, that, that conference that you're putting together and you're putting people from all over the place to come into one location to get your CEs in a fun way. It's not sitting in a boring, you know, refresher course or whatever. Right. You're not online. In a, in a sterile environment, you're learning from, from fellow firefighters and police officers, or not police officers, but EMS and so forth, getting this information across and, and being able to have some fellowship afterwards, uh, breaking bread and, and having some fun like we like to do uh, in, in this field. So you've been doing this for 12 years. What are some of the challenges of putting together a conference like this? Well, from, from the get-go, since you, you talked about other areas wanting to develop their own conferences from the get-go money is an issue you have to have seat money to be able to do this nobody does it because they like you you know you have to put deposits down on things and you have to have a good good share of money uh we started because the uh um Firefighters First Credit Union believed in us and they gave us a $25,000 check to, as seat money to start, to start paying our, our, uh, our bills, you know, our deposits and, and getting things done. They believed in it and until this day, 12 years, they're still a sponsor of ours. So, uh, they believe in our mission and they know, uh, what we do is good. And that's, that's really the first challenge in getting this done. Uh, the other challenge is, is that you have to, build a model that people like to come to, you know, because there are so many choices of conferences right. out there. The rest of that story, when we return from our break. Exercises are a cornerstone of emergency preparedness, but can be costly, time-consuming, and complicated. GTX Vault can ease the exercise planning process with our wide array of tabletop, drill, and functional exercise packages that are fully adjustable. Once you choose the appropriate discipline and emergency scenario, you'll receive the exercise, all HSEEP suggested paperwork pre-filled out, access to our online simulation environment, Chelsea County, USA, and 30 minutes of phone consultation. Get your time back at ttxvault.com. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from that quick break. And Thank you so much for listening to the sponsors because without them, we couldn't do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly. And hit them up, check them out, say hi, tell them that uh, we sent you. Now for the rest of the story. 
and there's only so much money to go around, whether it be your personal money, like nurses, because they don't get money from their hospitals to do this, but fire departments and uh, emergency management and EMS, they only have so much money to go around. They're not going to send you to every conference. So we have to give them something that's a little worth a little more than other conferences. And that's I believe that's what we do. That's why we're wildly popular amongst our peer group, because uh, we give them that. So after that, you have to put a team of people together that believe in your mission that will do it for nothing. Because if you paid all these people, you would be cost costing a thousand dollars a ticket for people to get in. Right. So we have any given year, 62 to 68 volunteers that volunteer their time, that believe in the mission, that form these teams of logistics and finance and operations and education teams and speaker uh, escorts. And, you know, we treat our speakers very, very well. We pick them up at airports. We drive them here. We, you know, give them their rooms. We make sure that they're taken care of and get their presentations ahead of time, make a run through with our AV people. And, it's good. We have a professional AV company that does like the movies that does it so we don't have any mix-ups. We try to do it our own once. It doesn't really work. <laughs> you, can't, you can't afford to have the latest and greatest equipment all the time. They do. Right. That's their business. So we do that. We contract with them. And it, it just goes from there. It's just a lot of hard work. It's an 18-month planning cycle uh, for a conference. And a lot of times you're multi- you have two years worth of conferences in a short period of time that right. you're working on. So you're telling me earlier that you actually have your team working on next year's conference when you're in the middle of the current conference. Correct. We'll, we'll be starting. We'll be starting around January on twenty on twenty twenty conference. Uh, we've been involved for at least six months on twenty nineteen already. Yeah, in January we'll start booking speakers and and uh, logistically making sure all contracts are are correct. We try to get contracts that are three years so that we don't have to do that every year, right. the same contracts. And you get a better price if you do a long-term contract with a vendor. So how do you choose your speakers? We choose them mostly by people that have seen these speakers talk before, by by events, current events that are going on. For instance, just as an example, last year we had a, lo- a team from the uh, Las Vegas area that were involved in the uh, Las Vegas shooting at the Route 66 country concert. We were able to get uh, the EMS chief from the fire department the ambulance uh, supervisor, the trauma doctor that was in charge of the uh, Sunrise Medical Center, and uh, the emergency manager all there at the same time to give their different perspectives Mm. of what was going on. We tie into that. We have a lot of connections throughout the nation with different people we know, and we're able to get those those connections and and do it. That's some of the how we get speakers. The other ones we get from speakers bureaus. We get from going to a conference and seeing somebody who is amazing and saying, I need to book them and ask them if they can talk about a certain topic that is relevant to our, our, our group, our people. Anyway, it's a constant, constant work, always looking for speakers and always evaluating them. And the other part of it is that we have to be able to run their presentation in front of our education committee to be able to give them the CEs. Mm. So we have to get the CEs for it. And if their topic is nothing that we can give CEs for, then we can't have them as a speaker because... People come for the CEs. They leave with a year's worth, of, a two years worth of CEs. Wow, that's amazing! Right? So, that's that's worth the price of admission right yes, there. Absolutely. Um, so, not not saying it's like picking your your favorite child, but what was your 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 favorite speaker that you've had, or at least somebody who you thought was like really uplifting? As a motivational speaker, Joe Theismann was amazing. He was just an amazing speaker and talked about when they broke his femur and the rehab and the recovery from that. It was, it was really good. We've had uh, multiple uh, speakers from different studies that they've done 
that affect our industry and our business and how it affects us to, to whether it be, uh, Tonto. Remember Tonto from, uh, the embassy, uh, shootings that, uh, um, 13 hours, 13 hours. He, he was a speaker and talked about his experience and, and how the whole system interfaced and, and, you know, bullets flying everywhere and how they abandoned them. He's done a really good job for us in, in that. Th- those are really favorite speakers. There's also a lots of great speakers that make you think. Mm. For instance, on relationships, on what's going on in our in- industry currently with people being depressed and committing suicide in the first responder field. It's it's kind of getting out of control with the yeah. epidemic, and we're not giving them the help that they need. It's our highest number of losses is suicide. Yes, absolutely, more than than the, in the line of duty deaths, and that's uh, that's it's very preventable. And so we're focusing a lot on that. We we integrate it with some of that uh, information, uh, but not in a way that gets you all down and depressed. In a way that makes you think and pick up people and recognize signs and and have. Uh, a way to help yourselves and realize that, you know, it's not macho to sit down and say, I need help. I've done this. You know, one of the very first calls I ever had uh, up in Sacramento was uh, uh, Candy Leitner's daughter. Candy Leitner was the one that started Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Mm-hmm. I had my first call as a paramedic was I had her hit by the car. Oh. And that and I didn't know if I would make it a second call because that was one of my first calls as a paramedic. Uh, she was thrown the distance of two telephone poles and she looked like a burn victim because she run, ran through the asphalt so much and she was alive. Mm. And uh, when I got to the hospital, I remember just sitting on the, on the uh, tailboard and just crying and I didn't know if I could do this again. I, it's, it's the first call you get. It's like out of the get go. Right. And, uh, you have to learn how to cope and work through those things, and that's what our industry is lacking right now. No, you're so right. You know, um, we were talking earlier today uh, about one, about responding uh, to this big event that we had here in Orange County where right. I've talked about it on the show before about the mass shooting, and we weren't allowed to leave that place until we talked to a counselor. And at the time, I'm like, I don't need to talk to a counselor. I got this. I've been to 100 calls. This is just the worst one of the ones I've been to. And not realizing how much stress that you're under until after you kind of sat down and went, oh, crap, I am under a lot of stress. And, and that really helps you out. So I think those of us that are in this field should really take that seriously. Um, number one, as responders and or you know emergency managers, that we are under stress a lot uh, on these things, and to understand that we are. Number two, as supervisors and managers, we really owe it to our employees and to our troops to get somebody in here to really do a decompression uh, on when we have these major calls. Because when we're dealing with people's lives, it's a lot of layers of the onion that gets on top of you before you realize that you have that kind of pressure going on. So Absolutely. And as a supervisor, I think it's your responsibility to recognize that. Uh, we had the, the big Waterman shooting, mm. and the Waterman shooting had uh, 23 people that we knew killed in it because we worked with public health all the time and the environmental health people. And uh, I had to get a bunch of counselors, behavioral health counselors, into the EOC as they started releasing the names to make sure that my people – who knew them could still be able to cope with what was going on because it was a horrific incident. Oh, yeah. And we were, we were privy to all the information we didn't need to know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, true. The, the gory details, you know. It, so. It is so true. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk to people that they want to know 
those those details uh and you're just like you don't you don't really these are things that you just you, if you don't want if you don't have to know them right. you don't need to know you don't yeah. want to know them yeah. um so that's great and I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing this and that we're you know that you're working towards number one building that that uh the the bridges number one between disciplines and then number two you know really doing doing the work of, of getting um mental health back into what we do and on a daily basis so absolutely um so okay so we're getting here close to the uh, to the end of your time um so there's two questions i have left one is if somebody wanted to get a hold of you how would they be able to find you well they they can call um san Bernardino county uh, office of emergency services at 909-356-3998 Nine zero nine three five six three nine nine eight. I could give you my email, but it'll probably need shorthand because it's so long. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give it to you anyway. Okay. Michael dot Antonucci A N T O N U C C I at OES dot sbcounty.gov. <laughs> now you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for those of you that are driving and your pencils aren't sharp, don't worry about it. We'll put that information in the show notes so you can just go ahead and go ahead and click it. You can find it on emweekly.com or whatever listening device that you're on and you can find those in the show notes. So, <laughs> and, and if you're interested in the conference, we can be found at www.cfedwest that's C-F-E-D-W-E-S-T dot com cfedwest.com yeah we'll put the link to that as well into the show notes that's awesome all right mike toughest question of the day yes what book books or publication do you recommend to somebody in emergency management well i i think all the books on your show that you've mentioned before are very good books but i have one probably that you haven't heard of before and i think it's a great management book it's called the leadership secrets of attila the hun <laughs> and it's by wes roberts and uh it's a good read and it's a great book and i think that uh you will see what i mean when you read it that is a great title mm-hmm. it <laughs> it's a great, you never think about attila hun and his leadership skills but he yeah. had to lead right yeah absolutely All right that's amazing absolutely. well before we let you go is there anything else you'd like to say to the emergency manager out there just hang in there. We're changing. Uh, I think every day uh, disasters get worse and our relevance get more important. And I think if you have the opportunity, you need to push our field very heavily to whatever discipline you work for and show them how valuable that we are to the responding community. Uh, we can bring calm to chaos and uh, a lot of organizations can't do that, but we can, and we. This is what we do, and I would say that you need to pursue those those passions and keep it keep it in the forefront of everybody's mind, and say, yeah, we can do that instead of trying to shy away from it because you haven't done it before. Oh, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there.